We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hello, everybody. It's John Halpin. Welcome to the Thursday, August 31st edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Football. August is basically over, and our preseason coverage is basically over. We will have four podcasts next week, but those will be more week one preview oriented than. Um, draft and pick up and things like that and joining me today is another member of the charlotte fantasy football mafia jj zacharyson from number fire um jj you ready we talked before we started you're ready for the season to start like me right there's enough of this preseason yeah yeah i'm so over it i'm so ready for the season yeah as i said yesterday i can only talk about joe mixon so many times (laughs) so um, all right so all right so thursday august 31st the ezekiel elliott appeal is still in process um, there's a story in the Dallas Morning News that says why you should expect Zeke to play in week one. If you are drafting today or this weekend, if we haven't heard anything different, what do you do about Ezekiel Elliott? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very cautious when it comes to to how I spend my early round picks. So I think that others in my league will typically probably get Zeke over where I would value him. Uh, I think most projections still play Zeke around that 10th running back off the board, even even with the games missed. Um, but my general issue is that if we do assume six games and then there's that seventh, essentially, because they have that bye week, 
you're not getting any points for the first potential seven weeks of the fantasy season. And I think that the, the big piece that is not missed by models or if you're doing projections is that you're now holding on to that asset for those seven weeks and it's doing nothing on your bench. It's like holding inventory uh, for no reason at a, at a manufacturing plant. Um, right. Go ahead. You know, go ahead. So, so, you know, basically from my perspective, um, you know, it's really dependent though on your bench space. Uh, if you have a, a large bench, it's a lot easier to, to hold that. Uh, and then on top of it, on top of that, if, if you're in a league where let's say 60% of the teams make the playoffs, you know, you, then you can have a hypothetically worse team and still make the playoffs. And I think that taking on someone like Zeke at that point, um, you know, it, you can, you can do something like that. So I'm mostly avoiding, I think that you can, you know, there's that dead area in drafts at the two, three turn. And as you get into the third round, but I think that with all this optimism surrounding Zeke right now, uh, in terms of him playing week one, uh, in terms of the suspension getting reduced, I think that he's, you know, we're going to see him pretty firmly in that early second, mid second round. And that might be a little bit too rich for me. Okay. So now the way the appeals go, and even if he plays week one, you could have the same suspension just slightly delayed. You could have a lower suspension slightly delayed. But it's at least we know it, it doesn't appear that it's going to drag on until late in the season right now. He could play right. week one, but it won't take him two, three weeks to decide on this, most likely. Right. So, all right. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm more cautious, too. Uh, he's someone, even with the, the optimism now, I'm no thank you. Uh, I, I think I'm out. Um, all right, everybody, we need to thank Yahoo Fantasy Football for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football podcast. You can sign up now for Yahoo Fantasy Football, rotowire.com slash Yahoo. Um, check us out on Twitter, too. JJ is at Late Round QB. I'm at Hoppin37. You can also tweet us at Rotowire or at Rotowire NFL. All right, so we'll, we're going to start with your Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes. Um, so what did you think of Joe Hayden? Oh, I'm pumped, man. I mean, look, the, the Steelers are in win-now mode. Uh, they had no second corner across Artie Burns. Um, and, and so I, I think that the move, you know, if, if whether people think they overspent or not, the move made sense because they're in a win now scenario. And I think that Joe Hayden being able to play man is very, very big if and when there's that rematch against the Patriots in the playoffs. OK, so you, so the 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 numbers, I mean, the injury history and the numbers of the, you know, the PFF numbers and stuff like that, not phasing you too much. It's an upgrade on what they had. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have anything at that second cornerback spot. Ross Cockrell has been horrible in the preseason. Um, I, I think they they had to basically take this chance that you, you know, if Joe Hayden is even 90% of what he was or 80% of what he was, that's a way big up, upgrade at that at that second corner spot. Uh, and that could do do wonders to, to that defense. All right. What was the guaranteed money? I only saw the whole thing. I, I don't know if they've, guaranteed. yeah, I don't, I don't know if they've thrown out the guaranteed money yet either. Uh, I know it was nine mil a year. Um, and I know that he's getting at least the seven mil this season. Um, but I, I didn't. I didn't see the guaranteed money yet, which obviously that's that's the biggest piece to the contract. All right. Um, Roethlisberger, what's your take on the the home road split issue with him in terms of how it affects you looking at him as a fantasy quarterback? You know, I think that the splits are very real. I think it's a, a real thing. And, you know, if there's there's three years worth of data showing us that Ben Roethlisberger does struggle on the road, even when you exclude the matchups that he's facing. Um, but I have noticed that a lot of the the poor games have happened in those early one o'clock games on the road. And if you look at their schedule this season, they have four of those games, four road games at one o'clock, you know, one o'clock Eastern the season. Uh, and it includes Cleveland, Chicago, Baltimore and Indianapolis. So those are three very, very plus matchups during those one o'clock games. I think that because of that, you can mostly ignore the narrative this season uh, just because, you know, those are 
cakewalk matchups. Yep. Um, where do you have him uh, ranked at quarterback? I actually have my QB six. I think there's a lot of upside and I'm usually not a, a Ben Roethlisberger uh, believer from a fantasy perspective. Um, you know, obviously you're going to have to deal with the, the inevitable Ben Roethlisberger is going to overrate an injury that happens to him in week seven. And then there's going to, everyone's going to think that he's going to be out for five weeks. And then he heroically comes back the, the next week. Uh, but no, I, I, I think that, that he has tons and tons of upside with Martavis there. Obviously they got Vance McDonald now. Uh, Antonio Brown's one of the best wideouts in the league. They have the, one of the best, if not the best running back in the league. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see a reason to believe uh, that he can't have that top five upside this season. Okay. You're, you're the highest I've heard anybody on him so far. Nice. Right? I'm usually higher. And now yeah. with the injuries, I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't know, maybe I'm dropping him a little bit, but he's not there. You have him at QB six. So, so you, as your Twitter handle suggests, and, and you know, I, I, you, you, like to wait on quarterbacks like a lot of us in in let's say our business do yeah is Roethlisberger because you have him you have higher regard for him than others do is he the type of guy that you see have you been getting on your rosters yeah he is you know it's one of those situations where you know first and foremost I want to draft a quarterback late who uh, you know obviously I want to have a nice early season schedule just because streaming is a worst case scenario but at the same time I want a guy who can be a top five player that I can throw in my lineup week in and week out and not have to worry about the quarterback position. But from a value perspective, uh, I want to get my quarterback late. Uh, and Ben Roethlisberger to me, just given where his ADP is, I've gotten him in the double digit rounds uh, many times this off season. Um, I, I really do think that, that the upside is certainly there. I mean, I, I think that you can make very, very strong arguments uh, that Roethlisberger has a better situation and more upside than a guy like Matt Ryan this season, just given the regression that's going to hit in the Atlanta offense. Um, so that's, that's just kind of where I'm at. And, you know, I think that the injury risk is certainly there obviously with Ben Roethlisberger, but we have to remember that fantasy football is a weekly game. It's not like you're taking a zero in your quarterback spot when, if, and when Ben Roethlisberger is hurt. And not only that, we know quarterback is replaceable and you can get guys off the waiver wire. So it concerns me a lot less, uh, with quarterbacks than it would other positions. You know, it's funny. I thought of you tangent a little bit. I thought of you last week, I did a, I do an MFL annually with some of my friends Mm -hmm. and I wound up, it's a 20 man. And, and I wound up with Bradford Hoyer and Goff as my quarterbacks. Love it. You Love here, it. Right. <laughs> the late round, the late round quarterback trifecta. Love it. I told one of, one of my friends was yelling at me about getting Hoyer was laughing at me. I said, you have no idea how happy I was when I got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, all right. Next, you mentioned Martavis Bryant. Um, so he's back. He's not trustworthy as far as, you know, will he stay mm-hmm. on the field? Certainly there's risk with him, mm-hmm. but let me, hold on. Where's his ADP? Where are you? Where is he? I'm at MFL. I can't find him. Seriously. I can't find him. That's weird. All right. Whatever. Um, round, round six is the, is the ADP I've been seeing for him too high, too low, or just right. I mean, I'd, I'd take him in the sixth round pretty much all day. Uh, I know it sounds like I'm being a, a Steelers homer, but um, if you look at what he did the last time he was on the field from a PPR standpoint, he hit a top 24 performance at about a 55% rate, which is legitimately a fringe wide receiver one type production. Um, so, you know, and that's just top 24 performances. It's just a wide receiver two performance. We're not even talking about the weekly upside that we know that he brings as the freak athlete that he is. Um, so I'm, I'm into Martavis Bryan as well. I think that if you're going to buy into the Steelers offense in general, you have to buy into the fact that Martavis Bryan's going to be playing 
uh, and going to be playing at a high level in the, in the level that we know that he can play. Um, and so I, I think that just kind of plays into to why I'm into into Roethlisberger as well this season. And what, what, how does his presence? Because he's had a lot of time off the field. Volume wise, how does his presence affect Le'Veon and, and Antonio? I mean, you know, generally, whenever you have an, another player, it's gonna it's gonna lessen the, the market share of of other guys in that team. But I don't think it's gonna be significant enough because the Steelers were were using. Uh, guys like Eli Rogers in the passing game a lot, a decent bit from a market share perspective uh, last season. They had a wide receiver to rotation essentially. So if you take away that market share, you know obviously Antonio Brown might see a, a slight downgrade in volume. And I think Le'Veon Bell is another player who we should assume might not see as many targets. Um, but overall, they could also be a, a slightly more pass friendly team because Martavis Bryant's there. So I don't think it's going to impact Antonio Brown any. He's still my my number one wide, wide receiver. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, you might. Uh, be a little bit more, you know, maybe that's the tiebreaker between him and David Johnson. Uh, but I think Martavis will will be able to see plenty of volume in that offense because really it's not a they, they don't have much depth at wide receiver. Uh, it's really Antonio Brown and then Martavis and then not a lot, uh, right. not a lot there, especially as they kind of groom Juju into that slot role. Okay. Um, the last guy you mentioned Vance McDonald earlier too, so they got him uh, what earlier this week from the 49ers? Yeah. Um, fantasy way that's an intriguing fantasy move, isn't it? It is. It's really intriguing. Uh, like I mentioned, you know, Eli Rogers, he he fits the prototypical slot mold. He's a smaller guy, has good agility, but he's not necessarily the fastest dude in the world. Um, so he he's a good prototypical slot receiver, uh, but at the same time, he's not great. Uh, Jesse James isn't agile or quick. He's he's just big and 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 tall. Uh, so I think Vance McDonald, who's a lot more athletic than Jesse James is, is really really intriguing because the last time we saw an athletic tight end in Pittsburgh was Ladarius Green. And that small sample we saw with Ladarius Green, he balled out in that yep. Steelers offense. Um, and, and the other thing, too, that we have to remember is that the Steelers have openly wanted to have a very athletic tight end in this offense ever since Heath Miller retired. That's a big reason why they went out and they got Ladarius Green. I see this as a move. You know, people were saying that it's going to be a three-headed monster at tight end between Vance McDonald, Jesse James, and Xavier Grimble. Uh, and to me, I, you know, if the Steelers go out and trade and actually are making moves and actions to get Vance McDonald, it's telling us that they want some sort of down the field presence uh, in, in the receiving game at the tight end position to really open things up in the middle of the field. OK, um, so he's he's in your immediately among your top 20 tight ends, right? Yeah, I think I think that, you know, right now we have to view him closer to the, to, to number 20. Um, but, you know, tight end drops off after around the, the 14th or 15th tight end. So you can make an argument that he he sh- he has that upside. But again, you know, he, he just joined the team. He's got to learn the playbook. So I don't think he's going to make an impact right away. But it wouldn't shock me at all if by week three or four he's he's a decent part of the offense. OK, everybody, we've got to thank our friends at Yahoo Fantasy Football for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football podcast with Yahoo Fantasy Football. There are endless ways to feel the wins each week, whether it's a winning waiver claim, a winning piece of smack talk, or actually winning on the field. It's football in its funnest, best form, where there's no such thing as excessive celebration. Yahoo Fantasy Football is free to play and easy to use on a desktop or on mobile with the Yahoo Fantasy Sports app. You can sign up today, rotowire.com slash yahoo, and download the Yahoo Fantasy Sports app. It's been rated number one by the Fantasy Sports Trade Association for three years in a row. The Yahoo Fantasy app Messenger allows for all the witty banter and smack talk your league can muster. The app is just as extensive as the desktop experience. It lets you draft, trade, home waiver options right on your phone gives you in-depth player and matchup analysis to help you fine-tune your roster each and every week switch your league to yahoo where you can manage your league dues for free and when you do your draft you can probably get yelled at by brad evans or something in a video as soon as you're done telling you you got a c plus which happened to me last year at the end of a draft it shocked me <laughs> <laughs> like i look i'm like what's brad doing there and telling me my team sucks 
<laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> it was fun, though, really. No offense, Brad. Sorry. Um, Switch League DL, like I said, Magic League is for free. Sign up today for, Roto- for Yahoo Fantasy Football. Rotowire.com slash Yahoo. That's Rotowire.com slash Yahoo. Yahoo Fantasy Football. Feel the wins. All right. So you, I only saw this on Twitter. I, I confess I did not read uh, the article related to it. Yeah. You said, with Spencer Ware out, you said Kareem Hunt will be the best rookie running back. You wrote that, right? I what, did. Okay. I did. Now, the, the contenders for this title are Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, realistically. Um, tell me why you're so high on Kareem Hunt. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you look at the other four rookie running backs or the elite rookie running backs, um, you can find warts. You can find downside with each of those players. Christian McCaffrey, he might not have the touchdown upside that we that we look to see uh, in, in a starting running back just because Jay Stu's there and Cam Newton leads the league in in uh, touchdowns within opponents five yard line since mm-hmm. he entered the league. So that's 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 some downside for for McCaffrey as much. McCaffrey is my number one prospect or rookie running back prospect. So it's not so much that I don't like the talent. It's just the situation. Uh, Leonard Fournette, terrible offense, especially with Blake Bortles under center. Uh, and he's not going to see the field in passing downs. TJ Yeldon's the primary pass catcher there. No, he's been banged up a bit. But if they do see those negative game scripts, there's no uh, telling if Leonard Fournette's even going to be on the field. Uh, and then Dalvin Cook. Obviously, they have Latavius Murray there. I'm worried about potential goal line touches. I think Dalvin Cook is probably the one player that that I could see the, the strongest argument for at this point to be ranked ahead of Kareem Hunt. And then Joe Mixon right now is not even starting. There's a shared backfield there. We know that Jeremy Hill is probably going to see the goal line touches at least to start the season. So there are warts on each of these guys. But when you look at Kareem Hunt, the only red flag to me is the question of, is he as talented as the other rookie backs? But you know, I think the answer to that is probably no. Uh, you know, th- those other backs in my prospect model definitely didn't rank a, or def- definitely ranked ahead of Kareem Hunt, who was a you know very average athlete from a measurable standpoint, had decent production, but obviously that production came out of school at Toledo. It wasn't like he was in the SEC. Um, you know, and he but he the, the the positives here is that he was a workhorse last year at Toledo, so he carried a, a big load, which is really important. So we necessarily we shouldn't necessarily have bell cow concerns with him. And he was a great pass catcher. And that's really, really big because since Andy Reid became the head coach in Kansas City, uh, the lead back in terms of market share. So whoever had the biggest market share in that backfield uh, each season has had at least a seven point one nine percent target market share, which is generally a top twenty five number at the running back position. And we're talking about guys like Spencer Ware last year, who didn't even play a full season and Charkandrick West, who wasn't the starter for the entire season two seasons ago. And I actually think that Spencer Ware makes a good argument for Kareem Hunt because Ware was easily a worse prospect than Hunt. Uh, Spencer Ware didn't see 200 carries. I mean, he hasn't seen 200 carries. Maybe he did in high school, but he didn't in college. He didn't. He hasn't in the. He he only did last season uh, for the first time in the pros because he played behind Jeremy Hill at LSU. Uh, so Spencer Ware is is not that great of a prospect. But even still, we saw him as a bell cow back. In that yeah. offense last season, he had he was pacing towards a 60 percent market share, which is awesome in the backfield. Uh, I, I just think the situation is really, really awesome for Kareem Hunt. I wish that the offense was a little bit more efficient, but that's really, you know, the only concern for me. Yeah, he had Spencer Ware. You know, I, I think some of us last year who were excited about him in the preseason, maybe maybe got a little frustrated. Oh, you know what happened? I, I'm looking at the game by game. And after he had that huge first week because he got over 100 yards receiving, I think we all got really excited. And mm-hmm. after that, he was fine, 
I mean, but then you look at it and he got almost 1,400 yards from scrimmage. I mean, that's really yeah. good. Yeah, and the, the thing with Spencer Ware, like I said, he's been a committee back throughout his entire career, and that dates back to college as well. And and if you look at what he did two years ago, why we why we were so excited about Spencer Ware last year is because he was so unreal efficient two seasons ago. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that probably had to do with the fact that he was a committee back, and that allowed him to have fresher legs, be more efficient. He didn't see nearly as many 10-plus yard runs or 20-plus yard runs last season. Um, and, and I think that played a huge role. And then the big thing, too, you always have to look at what teams are doing, what their actions are. And, you know, similar to what I said with Vance McDonald with the Steelers, they went out and they traded for Vance McDonald. Well, the Chiefs not only drafted a running back in the third round, which is a lot of equity to spend at a running back in today's NFL, but they traded up to get Kareem Hunt. They clearly like Kareem Hunt. And I think that all plays into why I like Kareem Hunt in fantasy. OK, so of the other ones we mentioned. McCaffrey, Fournette, I'm going to read where the ADP wise, mm-hmm. um, Fournette's the 10th running back and he's going at the two, three turn McCaffrey, literally right behind him. Dalvin cook, 13th running back going about pick 32 and mix in the 16th running back going at about pick 43. Anybody you re- really like, really don't like among that group as far for, I mean, I know you, you McCaffrey as a prospect is great. I agree mm-hmm. with you about the the crowd in Carolina. Yeah, you know, I think McCaffrey's obviously a lot more um, uh, appealing in, in a PPR format. Uh, I, I I like Cook the most of those guys, um, just in general, without cost. Um, but when you factor in cost, Leonard Fournette to me is is an avoid. And, and you know, again, it's not necessarily talent related. It's just I don't want to draft a running back that's playing in a in a backfield where Blake Bortles is the quarterback. We we have questions around the offensive line. We have questions about potential negative game scripts and if he's going to be on the field or not. Um, And then on top of that, I mean, Jacksonville hasn't even hit double digit rushing touchdowns as a team over the last three years with Blake Bortles under center. So the upside with Leonard Fournette is, yeah, he's going to be the goal lineback. And we can't necessarily say that with these other running backs, uh, these other rookie running backs. But I don't know how many opportunities he's really going to see uh, as the goal lineback in, in an offense like Jacksonville. So I think that he's a little bit too rich. Um, you know, Joe Mixon, the backfield's kind of cluttered. I don't know how they're going to end up using that, uh, using Jeremy Hill, which is which is the biggest question mark. Christian McCaffrey, I already talked about him. But Dalvin Cook, you know, I, I think that the Vikings have a very, very sneaky offense if that offensive line comes together because last season, Sam Bradford was sixth worst in air yards per attempt, but he was sixth best on uh, complete in completion percentage on passes that went 15-plus air yards down the field which means that he can throw the deep ball and he was very accurate throwing the deep ball last season. It's just, he didn't have enough time to throw the deep ball because the offensive line was such a mess. But if that offensive line comes together, that's going to be really, really good for a guy like Dalvin cook. Uh, you know, I keep saying this and I'm saying it again now because you said it, the number of people who have been on with me this summer talking about how the Vikings offense is being, is underrated is, was, has been a bit startling to me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't disagree, but I just feel like it's, it's been, it's just been a lot of people and it's made and it's one of those things that a month and a half ago, I don't know that I expected to hear as much as yeah. I have. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's one of those things, you know, I've been digging more and more into the data and like looking more at that offense. And I'm like, wow, if it seriously, if that offensive line comes together with Dalvin Cook, uh, with the way Sam Bradford was able to get the ball down the field with Stefan Diggs now on the outside, if he can stretch the field a bit. I'm I'm honestly and I was never a Sam Bradford guy, especially when he was in in St. Louis. It's it's just there's there's a decent amount of upside in that offense. And they should play with a decent amount of uh, positive game scripts, too, because the defense isn't that bad. Yep. 
Okay, so other rookie running backs. Now, I don't know if these people are going to sneak into the top 15 or so, but what other rookie running backs? I mean, the, the ones that, that I, I'm looking at the list here and I'm going, all right, P. Ryan, uh, Deontay Foreman, maybe Alvin Kamara. Who, who's the is anyone Is there anyone there that you're sort of throwing a dart at late that you say, you know, that guy, if things break right, he could, he could sneak into the top 20 at running back? Yeah, you know, I'm not as into Alvin Kamara in terms of that kind of upside. You know, I do think that he found the perfect home in New Orleans for his skill set, but we rarely, rarely see successful NFL running backs who saw sub 20% market shares from an attempt perspective in college. You know, I, I did a study on this and I looked over the last half decade to a decade of uh, ru- successful running backs in the NFL. And the only two running backs who were quote unquote successful at the NFL level who had that kind of market share was Spencer Ware, who we just talked about. Uh, and, and the other was Peyton Hillis. And both of those players are bigger bodied guys who can take a beating on early downs. That's not what Alvin Kamara is. So I don't necessarily see the upside. I think he's a good floor play though, uh, in, in a, in a PPR league, but you know, Deontay Foreman's really, really intriguing, uh, unbelievable prospect from a, from a size speed perspective. Um, the one thing that, that I fear with Deontay Foreman is, you know, even if he's not going to be asked to, to, to catch passes at the NFL level, we generally see a correlation of, of guys who are able to catch passes at the college level to being successful running backs at the NFL level. You know, the, the, the scariest thing is that Deontay Foreman could end up being another Andre Williams type running back at the NFL level. I'm not saying that's what he is. You know, he did catch more passes than Andre Williams. He looks better than Andre Williams. But that's the general fear with someone like Deontay Foreman. I do think he has a ton of upside, though, if things come together. And we know that that Houston, uh, you know, Bill O'Brien talked in the offseason that he didn't want Lamar Miller to see the amount of touches that he saw last season. So I'm kind of intrigued by by Deontay Foreman. And then, uh, you know, Samaj P. Ryan, he's behind the dad running Rob Kelly, uh, who's (laughs) Really, I mean, look, Rob Kelly, the only reason why Rob Kelly has a job right now is because Matt Jones couldn't hold on to the ball last season. That's really it. Um, and I'm not, you know, I think that the Washington, the way that, that offense is struggling in the preseason, if that continues into the regular season, they're going to need some sort of spark because Rob Kelly is not a spark running back. No. That's just not the game that he plays. He just holds on to the ball. He's got decent ball security. And that's what Jake Gruden cares about. So I am intrigued by Samaj P. Ryan. I just wish that they had drafted a prospect that I liked a little bit more um, but overall, you know, the, the, the situation is, is good from an early down perspective. I just don't know if the ceiling is there because Chris Thompson is going to steal, uh, uh, catches out of the backfield. Yeah, absolutely. You look at that and you say, okay, so Kelly's still there. And much as we don't like Kelly, Gruden kind of does and Chris yeah, Thompson. Exactly. And then, you know, the, the path is limited for P Ryan, I think. Yeah. Um, all right, everybody, the future of fantasy sports is here. Fantrax.com is the first fantasy site built by fans for fans. If you ever want a league rule that you couldn't have in your current league platform, Fantrax has you covered with the industry's most customizable commissioner league manager product. It's all backed up by fast, friendly customer service and aimed at providing you with an unrivaled fantasy experience. As your one-stop shop for fantasy sports, Fantrax also offers a wide variety of cash games, all with the highest payouts you'll find anywhere. With the 2017 football season fast approaching and basically just about here, RotoWire has teamed up with Fantrax to offer NFL and college leagues featuring great prizes and lots of fun. That reminds me, I have to set my college lineup after we're done recording. Uh, to NH- so from co- NFL and college to NHL, NBA, MLB, NASCAR, EPL, and golf, moving all your fantasy leagues to Fantrax just makes sense. Join the fantasy revolution at Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. Okay, um, you did a an exercise on number five recently about the downsides of the top 20 players being drafted. Yeah. And you know, it was an exercise. So it wasn't like you were saying, Oh, look at all this downside with David Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
that was that was easily the toughest slide to do. <laughs> right? Like, what are you going to say? Um, but there were guys in there that so, some people alarm you more than others. And one of the people who I still like, but I have to say when, when I, I, I kind of always hope he doesn't fall to me in a draft is Melvin Gordon. Mm-hmm. Because I get the volume. I like the player. He helped me a ton. I had him a lot last year and he helped me a lot. The, the efficiency, which I think you pointed out in this piece, is, mm-hmm. is something we got to worry about. He's 3.9 yards a carry. That matters. I, I, is, is he a guy you want to own? Yeah, I mean, look, I think the bottom line with Melvin Gordon, I, I did a study earlier in the offseason that looked at who this year's Todd Gurley could be. And, and the way that I framed it was last season, going into last season, a, a big reason why you could see a Todd Gurley regression coming is because he had really, really high efficiency the, that the, the prior year. But his success rate, which is a metric we use in number fire that measures the percentage of positive expected points runs that a guy gets. So essentially you're looking at was this run successful or was it not in terms of expected points? Um, generally an average running back hovers around the 40% range. Todd Gurley, who had really, really high efficiency from an expected points perspective, had a really, really low success rate, which means that it was unsustainable production. So, essentially. so basically it was, be, was that because basically as a rookie, the big plays exactly skewed the full, the total yardage, but okay, got it. Yeah, exactly. Cause you're looking at it, you know, success rate looks at things from more of a binary perspective. So it's not skewed by, you know, a, a run that's, that's largely effective versus one that's just mildly effective. It, it looks at it the exact same way. You know, it's, they're both successful. So with Melvin Gordon, I, I did this study and I looked specifically at three running backs because I think that there are three running backs that we don't have enough data on. It's Melvin Gordon, uh, Jay Ajayi, and Jordan Howard. And what I found was of all those players, of, of those three players, Melvin Gordon matched the Todd Gurley profile the most because Melvin Gordon, from an expected points, I know his yards per carry was bad, but from a per rush standpoint in terms of expected points, he was decently efficient, decently efficient, just because he was able to score so many touchdowns and do what he did closer to the end zone. Um, but his success rate was unbelievably low and that's just not what you want to see out of a running back that you're drafting in the, especially in the first round. Um, but with that being said, we know that that's only part of the equation, uh, when it comes to these, uh, running backs in fantasy football, because, uh, volume and opportunity matters so much, you know, with Todd Gurley, he saw the volume, but the opportunity was awful because he was in such a bad offense. Whereas Melvin Gordon, I think it might become just a moot point because he's in uh, an offense led by a good quarterback that should score a decent amount of points. Okay. So those three players you mentioned, if, if you, I mean, do, do you have, after Bell and Johnson, are Freeman and McCoy next for you? You know, I actually, I don't, I'm not as high on Freeman just because of the, the potential regression in that offense. And, and we don't know what the offense, what, what, uh, the, the change in Shanahan's going to do. Um, and, and we don't know what the volume is going to look like and yada, yada, yada. Um, I, I actually, I still have Melvin Gordon next after, after McCoy. Um, and, and it's all volume related, you know, I don't necessarily love him as a player, uh, but I, I love the opportunity that he's in. And then I, and then I have Jay Ajayi and then I'm really, really low on, on Jordan Howard. Okay. Can you, why about Jordan Howard? Um, you know, it's really just, you know, he, he's the one player in the, in the top 20 that I wrote up that, that I'm most afraid for. Um, you know, obviously they, they have a decent offensive line there. Uh, so I'm not really concerned about that, but you know, you want to associate your running backs with decent offenses to increase the probability of scoring touchdowns. So Jordan Howard obviously has a a capped upside in terms of touchdown scoring because he's going to be led by either a rookie quarterback who's raw or Mike Glennon, who's not very good. 
Um, and then they lose Cam Meredith, which is going to make them even less efficient. And, you know, the other thing, too, is everyone's talking about Tariq Cohen being a potential late round uh, fantasy asset. I don't see him as someone that I want on my fantasy team. I see him as someone who's going to take away the upside from Jordan Howard mm-hmm. because if Jordan Howard isn't scoring touchdowns and then all of a sudden he's not going to be on the field and on third downs or in negative game scripts, then I don't I just I don't know why we should feel confident drafting Jordan Howard in the second round. Yeah, if there's if there's a running back who's going to have the cliche, you know, people stack the box against him. Exactly. It's probably it's either McCoy or Jordan Howard basically. Yeah. yeah. Um you mentioned Gurley He's tough for me to figure. I was, I, I was hopeful last year. You're, I mean, the points you made a minute ago all made sense. I was hopeful because I, I looked at, it, I said maybe he's he's that guy who can make something out of nothing. Yeah, he could he could be Adrian Peterson, right? And yeah. last year he wasn't. So now yeah. a new offensive coach comes in. Uh, the wide receiver core has been upgraded. The quarterback, I I don't know. You know, I I don't I, I don't. <laughs> I don't know what happens there. Do do you think the changes for the Rams are positive for Todd Gurley? How optimistic are you about him? You know, I I think the changes that they're making are very, very smart from a real football perspective. And they're actually doing things that, uh, you know, McVay coming from Washington. If you look at their offense right now, it's kind of similar to how they built Washington. Uh, They have Cooper Cup playing in the slot like Jamison Crowder. They have Sammy Watkins stretching the field like Deshaun Jackson. They have Robert Woods, who would play more of the Pierre Garçon role. Uh, and then they have athletic tight ends who would who would replace Jordan Reed's production. So it's actually very, very similar, just with not as good personnel, and especially at the quarterback position, which is a really, really big concern because Jared Goff last season uh, was basically the worst rookie quarterback when you adjust for era that we've ever seen from an efficiency standpoint. Um, and, and that's that's a concern. He had the lowest air yards per, t- per attempt last season in the entire NFL. Hopefully the offensive line upgrades uh, help him stay in the pocket a little longer and be more confident there to get the ball down the field to Sammy. Um, and I think that Sammy should open things up a, a decent bit for Todd Gurley. But, you know, I think that where he's priced is accurate and 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 fine and and the reason for that is obviously he's going to see a massive market share he led the league in market share last season in, in, in the Rams backfield um and and at that point in the draft there's such a dip at the running back position basically after Gurley that it's more of a supply and demand thing above all else so I can understand drafting him in the late second early third round I think that's totally fine I just wouldn't be confident placing him above the, the guys that we had talked about like a, a JHIE or a, a DeMarco Murray or, or Devontae Freeman. Okay. And remember, everybody, Todd Gurley, I mean, certainly warts, to use a word you used earlier, yes, but yeah. 43 catches last year, mm-hmm. which is not, ha- not bad. Not bad. Um, all right. So, yeah, Goff, I don't know. I don't know what to make. I, I told you that I, I got him in very late as a third quarterback in an MFL, but I, don't, yeah. I, I keep asking, what's, what's the reason we should be hopeful other than pedigree and age? I yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know tough, it it's tough. It's a tough sell. It's yeah. a tough sell. Um, all right. In, in this piece, the, one more guy I want to mention is Brandon Cooks. You mentioned that volume could be an issue. Yeah. Did that, was this written before or after Edelman's injury? It was actually, the, the Cooks one was after Edelman's injury. So that was still, still part of it. So you still, so there's the, so many mouths to feed in New England is still a concern for you guys with Brandon Cooks. Yeah, from my perspective, um, I think that they want to keep Brandon Cooks on the outside to stretch the field. I think that's why they got him, at least in in the short term, uh, because it's an easier thing. You know, it's it's a more difficult, you know, playing on the outside is a lot more difficult than it is playing in the slot. That's why we see random slot guys pop up all the time. Um, But if if Cooks, you know, we we know that in the Patriots offense, the volume 
is in that slot area, whether it's going to a tight end, whether it's going to the slot receiver and Julian Edelman or whoever's playing that position. So I don't think Brandon Cooks is going to play that position. I think that if there's someone on the outside that moves in, it would be Chris Hogan. Uh, and that's where his upside is. And that's why he's getting all the hype that he's getting right now. But I think in the end, uh, the Patriots are going to utilize, you know, they're going to have a rotation in that area of the field. So they're going to have, you know, guys like Rex Burkett and James White and Deion Lewis stepping up. They're going to move guys around. But I think that Brandon Cooks is pretty strictly going to play or mostly play on the outside. You know, Chris Hogan last season saw 37 percent of his uh, routes from the slot. Um, so maybe Cooks, you know, he, we know that he can play in the slot. Uh, so maybe Cooks moves in every once in a while. They're just going to throw. I, I assume that they're just going to move guys around constantly uh, to confuse defenses. But in the end, there are still a lot of mouths to feed. They utilize their tight ends, obviously, a lot. And especially if Gronk is healthy, he's going to demand a huge market share. Mm-hmm. And they also they, they throw the ball to, to their running backs more than any almost more than any other team in football. So I think that that all plays into why, you know, we shouldn't just assume that Brandon Cooks is all of a sudden a 150 target player in this offense. I still think that he's in that 120 to 130 range. Okay. Uh, the last thing I was going to ask you in this part about which uh, of those top 20 that you mentioned, the possible downside, who is the most likely to underachieve? Jordan Howard seems to be pretty clearly the guy for you. Yeah. It, yeah. Is there another one that you kind of look and you go, <laughs> nah, not me. No, thanks. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that there's, it's, it, there's an obvious one. I'm, I'm get, I will say that I'm becoming more and more afraid of drafting even like LaShawn McCoy, uh, given the offensive struggles there. Because Tyrod Taylor does not fit that Rick Dennison offense and that 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 West Coast style at all, uh, and I worry about them not having much of a downfield f- downfield threat. I know that Zay Jones is quick, but he didn't really play that role that much at ECU. Um, and then you know Jay Ajayi has some some question marks too. I mean their offensive line is a mess. There's now talks that Jarvis Landry uh, has there's some domestic violence issues going on there. I think that would be uh, a huge blow to that offense in general. Um, and, and if they see negative game scripts, um, who knows how much, you know, Damian Williams is a very, very able pass catcher. Uh, so Jay Ajayi, especially the offensive line concerns with Ajayi, that's, that's probably my biggest concern with him, uh, this season. And like, you know, DeMarco Murray has question marks. If Derek Henry sees a larger share in that backfield, you know, Devonte Freeman, I mentioned earlier, there's going to be regression in that offense. So I think you can, you can pinpoint each of these guys and say, there's something going on. But to me, the obvious one is, is Jordan Howard in the early rounds. Okay. Um, you meant a quick question about the dolphins. Um, you talked about Jarvis Landry. Are, are you buying this aired out Jay Cutler developing a bond with Devonte <laughs> Parker? I would, if they weren't so run heavy last season yeah. after, a, after the Jay breakout last year, uh, Miami was the third most run heavy team in terms of pass to run ratio. And the only teams that were more run heavy were Dallas and Buffalo, who we know are, are extremely run heavy. Um, so that's my fear with that whole entire offense is that I think in an ideal world, Adam Gase wants them to be a run first team. Um, whether they're going to be able to do that, that's up in the air because their, their defense doesn't look very good at all. Um, but, you know, they ran the fewest plays in the league last year by far. Um, and I think that 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 obviously hurts uh, any wide receivers volume tremendously. I think Devontae Parker is really, really intriguing. I just wish the situation was a little bit different. All right. Um, folks, we recommend that you go to fantasysportsmarkets.com. Fantasy Sports Markets has the best DFS contests available with cash awards and big bonus prizes every day. As always with Fantasy Sports Markets, there are no salary caps. Draft who you want on your roster. Try the free-to-enter preseason football contest. I think your time's just about up on that, so you better get on it quick. The prize is a copy of Madden 18. Register today. Enter the promo code ROTOWIRE to get a $15 in promotional credit toward your contest entries. It's available to all United States residents. Go to fantasysportsmarkets.com today. All right, I want to ask you about the – for anyone still drafting, this is the last show that I think we're going to give people draft advice. 
Yeah. Um, late round guys that you like. And I know you've been having some uh, Twitter fun with Kenny Galladay. <laughs> baby Tron. Yes, Baby Tron. Yes. Um, and you're not to, to it, you are not putting all your eggs in that basket. You are not saying he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. You're just kind of looking and saying, you know, hey, he could be a good red zone threat. And, you know, he got drafted yeah. high and his measurables are good, all that, you know, size, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, is if, if he, let, let's hear your, your late round, your, your favorite late round wide receiver not named Kenny Galladay. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think Galladay, to be to be completely truthful, it's more of a, you know, I, I love him from a dynasty perspective, and obviously he has an insane range of outcomes from a redraft perspective. Um, so, you know, I'm not necessarily just like gobbling up as much Kenny Galladay and redraft as I possibly can, but in 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 dynasty, heck yeah, I got I have all the Kenny Galladay. Um, <laughs> but you know, from a wide receiver standpoint, guys that I someone that I've owned a lot late, um, in or, or gra- grabbed a lot late in drafts, um, you know, in you know, his, his ADP varies. So I'll have, I'll, I'll name two guys. One, that's a very, very deep guy. Uh, but this one's Ted Ginn, you know, he's, he's going in the double digit rounds in a lot of drafts, um, especially casual leagues. I think he's going to see a hundred targets in a, in a Drew Brees offense. And his skill set just fits so perfectly with someone like Drew Brees in that dome. I'm really, really intrigued, uh, by Ted Ginn. But if you want to dig a little bit deeper, I'm also kind of intrigued by Marquis Goodwin. Um, and, and the reason for that is basically, there's no one else there. There's there's no one yeah. else in San Francisco right now. Uh, and we know that he has breakaway speed and game changing speed. Um, and I think that's intriguing in an offense that could see a lot of negative game scripts or should see a lot of negative game scripts. And that could allow him to see a lot of space uh, with, with softer cornerback coverage later in games, especially. Um, and, and if he can get that space, we know that he can do a lot with it because he does have that speed. So I, if he sees a decent amount of volume in that offense, I think that he could be um, some sort of, you know, especially in deeper leagues, he could be flex viable. So I, I talked to uh, one of my colleagues, Mario Puig, the other day mm-hmm. about we were talking about Ted Ginn and he referenced uh, Devery Henderson and Robert Meacham. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it was kind of like the, that, that the Saints, uh, except for maybe the one receiver, which used to be Colston and yeah. some, for some time, you know, a year or two was Cooks and now it seems to be Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. Or Jimmy Graham was in that role too, maybe that you're not sure where they're going to go. Right, you, you, that doesn't bother you about Ted Ginn. I mean, we we know he's not going to be a 1,200 yard, 80 catch guy, right? But so you you see enough big plays out again to make that viable. Yeah, I mean, I think the argument for him not being Devery Henderson or Robert Meacham is that he has some sort of pedigree that that he's shown that he can produce at the NFL level. I know that it took a while for him to get to that yeah. point, but but he's shown it. I mean, he was good. He was not a bad receiver. Uh, in Carolina, and and when he left Carolina, you know, obviously they've they've changed their offense a bit. But my immediate concern was that that that's a big deal. He meant a lot to the Panthers' offense, stretching the field and getting down there for those big plays. You know, everyone everyone looks at his drops and focuses on the drops aspect. Drops are a very very overrated statistic, though, especially from a fantasy perspective. Because if he's seeing vol, we, we don't care. A drop is the same as an incomplete pass. We just we we shouldn't care that much about that. Um, but but to me. You know, if you break things down and you look at the offensive weapons that they have, he could easily see 100 targets in that offense, especially, you know, in the preseason. He's played strictly in those two wide receiver sets. Willie Sneed's been the guy who's been on the sideline as you know, he's obviously their slot receiver. Um, Willie Sneed's been on the sideline in two wide sets. So that's just even more love for for Ted Ginn and and his potential in this offense. All right. Um, Running backs. What do you got? Who do you like late? 
Yeah, I, I think that this is a year where there's a ton of late round dart throws that you can you can throw. I mean, Chris Carson's one. I know that he's not he wasn't named the starter. Uh, they have a co-starters in Lacey and Rawls, but Chris Carson's one that I think is is worthwhile just because they have a lot of question marks in that backfield. Uh, and the Seattle offense, when when players see a good uh, number of snaps in that backfield, they're very very good from a fantasy perspective. Uh, so Chris Carson, uh, I'm 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 cool with late. Uh, DeAndre Washington, I'm cool with late just because I think he's going to have. Uh, some work even with Marshawn Lynch healthy. Yes, I love. And then this if one. you know if Marshawn Lynch goes down, then obviously that's the upside because he would be the hypothetical handcuff. And I do think that DeAndre Washington is the guy to own over Jalen Richard. If you look at their college profiles, he he was the workhorse running back. Jalen Richard was not. So mm-hmm. I think uh, DeAndre Washington is really interesting. The guy that I have probably on most of my teams that that I've targeted late is Rex Burkhead. Um, and it's just you know you're associating a running back in one of the best offenses in in the NFL. Who knows if Mike Gillisley, you know, I still think Mike Gillisley is going to take that early down role, that that blunt role. Uh, but there was talk that Rex Burkhead could fill that slot role that I was talking about earlier uh, a bit. And if that happens and all of a sudden Rex Burkhead is PPR gold at at a, a at the running back position where, you know, there's a lot of volatility just given uh, how how shallow the position is. So Rex Burkhead's uh, probably my highest owned running back this season. I, I've been grabbing a decent amount of Burkhead, too. And it's funny. I have had this the, the, trying to been trying to figure out the Raiders thing all summer because the one thing I know is that I don't like Lynch, so I keep I, I keep looking and I, and I came I settled on the same thing that I thought it was Washington over Richard, but but yeah. it's not clear you know it's not clear. Like, yeah, I agree not. with you, but it's it's a tough one. It, it, it's not like if Lynch goes down, I it's a guarantee for me. Right, right. And, um, but yeah, I agree. It's not not a, not a not a Kareem Hunt type situation. No. All right, uh, tight end. We talked about Vance McDonald. Anybody else? You, you. I mean, this is assuming you're either waiting really long on your tight end, or you're in some sort of league that that suggests you take a second tight end. Yeah, you know, I, I think in a lot of leagues, the way I'm approaching it is I'm getting a lot of the the ninth, tenth, eleventh round players. I have a ton of Eric Ebron. I think that this could be his, finally his, his breakout season. Uh, but if you want to go a little bit later, I'm pretty into Austin Hooper. I think that he can grab a decent share in that offense because it's not like the pass catchers are are that unbelievable. And I think there's going to be some regression from a running back receiving standpoint. Uh, and then he's going to be a de facto top red zone target uh, just because for whatever reason, they don't like throwing the ball to Julio Jones in the red zone. So I think Austin Hooper, if you can get him decently late. And I'm also, you know, I'm kind of I hate him. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm I'm also kind of intrigued by Jared Cook. Um, <laughs> Not again. It, it's happening. It's <laughs> happening again. I mean, if you if you break things down, uh, Seth Roberts in the slot is he just got a new contract, but he's a really, really not a good wide receiver. Not very efficient. I know that he steals touchdowns every once in a while, and it's it's frustrating for Amari Cooper owners. Uh, but he's not that good of a wide receiver, and they really just have Crabtree and Amari Cooper. They they they're not necessarily going to utilize their running backs that much out of the backfield in the receiving game, especially if Marshawn Lynch is on the field a lot. Uh, so just de facto, uh, you you get Jared Cook, who might have uh, you know an eighty to ninety target season, and in an offense that has a good line, uh, Derek Carr's fine. Uh, that's that's enough to be a relevant tight end in fantasy no no austin safarian jenkins for me on this one i, I can i can see aasj i mean you know it's it's again that's a situation it's like it's like kittle in in san francisco now with yeah. uh vince mcdonald out it's just there's there's no one else there so i can totally see a scenario where either of those guys are relevant in fantasy all right yeah I, i'm with you there's a lot there's a lot of options if you're waiting on tight ends i own a bunch of ebron too but um yeah there, there's plenty you can do with that <laughs> Everybody, listeners to our podcast can get a free 10-day RotoWire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. 
that lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out, rotowire.com slash pod. Uh, JJ, so we've got a week before the kickoff to the NFL season. What are you and everybody at Number Fire doing between now and then? Yeah, I mean, just getting prepped for the season. We'll have our weekly DFS and season-long content for week one out there starting on Monday. Uh, I'll be doing three podcasts a week uh, starting next week as well. I have a show that I started in April called The Late Round Podcast. So I'm really excited about all of it and really excited for the for the football season. Okay, you have three podcasts now. So the one's with Denny, right? Yeah, I got the two. Just the one with Denny and then this one. Okay, got it. All right, yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, all right, well, thank you so much for doing this. Hey, good luck with all your uh, Eric Ebron shares. All right. <laughs> Thanks, man. You too. You're welcome. All right, everybody. If you like this podcast, we'd appreciate it if you'd leave us a review and a rating. And if you didn't like it, you know, leave the good review anyway, please. Thanks a lot. That'll help out a lot. Um, thanks for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Football. Our next episode is going to be coming on Monday. So if you're drafting this weekend, good luck. Hit us on Twitter. JJ's at late round QB. I'm at Jay Halpin37. Um, but yeah, come on back on Monday and we will start preparing around here for week one for JJ Zacharias and I'm John Halpin. Have a great weekend. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.